0: Here we go! It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor John Siegler. Smith he's brought down at the 46 yard line but the Packers come up
1: all right well that was the play where it really went downhill you could tell all night that the Saints still just not 100% there right not 100% firing in all cylinders and I think a 37-30 loss to the Packers without Devontae Adams was a is a tough one to swallow for the Saints
2: yeah it was very disappointing Uh, in all three phases of the game really you know not just the fumble with Taysom Hill there Um, the following possession the Saints ended it with a 34-yard punt from their own 30. Uh, That's just very out of character for Thomas Morstead. If the Thunder's having a bad day, then that really tells the story for the whole team. (laughs) Um, On defense, uh, gosh, you know, Alan uh, Lazard... The third wide receiver in Green Bay played like the number one receiver in Green Bay. Um, he had a terrific game against Marshawn Lattimore. Um, it was just very disappointing for the Saints, and they've got a lot of work to do to flatten themselves out of this hole that they dug for themselves.
1: Seriously, Lazard looked like Tyreek Hill out there. Jeez, he was flying.
2: Yeah, I was having some Adam Thielen flashback kind of uh, to, to the playoffs last year. It was uh, it was
1: remarkable. You know, I want to throw this question at you, John. I'm hardly a, an all twenty two film expert here. You know, I'm just watching it on TV. But for me, I'm worried about Drew Brees. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. I know the national media is probably all over this as well. It just looks like Brees is not comfortable, which is not something that I'm used to seeing with him. It, he's it looks like he's got happy feet, or he's like afraid to pull the trigger or something. And I don't know if that's like a Michael Thomas thing, or if that's a you know losing your fastball type thing, but he's definitely checking it down at every chance he gets. His numbers in the box score looked really well, but you know he threw the ball 13 times to Alvin Kamara, and Kamara really made his stats look a lot better than they probably could have been. I think without Kamara, he would have had like 149 yards passing. So... Where are we at with Breeze? You know, I saw that tweet you had where he's like averaging 4.6 air yards per attempt against minimal pressure against the Packers there. So, how much should we be worried about the quarterback position right now?
2: Not great. Uh, <laughs> it's not, not the ideal situation. No. You know, he's not even attempting throws beyond 20 yards. When they do send receivers on, on those vertical routes downfield, it's to flush out the defense and make room for Kamara or Emmanuel Sanders or Traquan Smith or. Deontay Harris on these underneath routes where Breeze is only attempting a pass in, you know, the four to nine yard range and then he's letting his receivers do some work after the catch. And I think that really tells you tells us what the Saints think of Breeze's arm and where he's at right now. And the offense is kind of limited and we saw that uh, against the Packers. Uh, the NFL next gen set passing chart for him. It, it was efficient. Uh it, he, he had a very high completion percentage, There's so much of the games that the Saints did make through the air, where the you know, are picked up after the catch, and so at some point they have to at least attempt passes deeper downfield, or we're going to have these safeties start cheating up closer to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to take away those underneath passes. Hmm. If, he, if he's in a situation where he cannot check it down to Alvin Kamara, or Kamara, excuse me, he, he was very clear about how he wants his name pronounced.
1: Um, <laughs> I think I've been screwing then, up all year too, so it's all good.
2: Yeah. You know, there's situations where he cannot check it down. I'm not sure that Breeze has the, the juice to get the ball out past the six and make up for it. And, you know, the, those limitations are a big part of why the Saints are one and two right now.
1: So you think it's a juice issue? You know, he just doesn't have the same arm strength of the Drew Breeze that we're used to seeing.
2: It may be, but, you know, the the vertical passing game has not been an element of the Saints offense for the last three years or so. Um, The last time they even attempted a lot of throws out beyond 20, 25 yards was 2016. I think he only attempted five passes in that range last year. Now, granted, he did miss a lot of games with a thumb injury, but the point is it's not even a consideration. It's not part of the playbook. It's not something they're designing or drawing up. Well, now, Sean Payton did say that in week two, they, they had two looks that were designed to go to, to manual standards deeper downfield. And the Raiders' defense adjusted well, and they covered that. And so Brees was forced to check down. So maybe they are trying to engineer some touches further downfield to spread to op- open up the defense and create more opportunities, but it just hasn't happened so far. And I'm not sure that it will when Michael Thomas comes back because he's not really a, uh, a huge vertical threat either. Uh, his real strength is taking these passes that Brees is throwing to Trae Smith or Emmanuel Sanders that are kind of off target that may be on the back shoulder or not going to the receiver in stride. And Thomas can adjust to those passes and compete for them against defensive backs in ways that a lot of receivers can't. And so I do think once Michael Thomas is back in the game, the Saints offense is going to look much more like what we're used to. But I'm not sure that we'll still see those huge explosive plays for the year.
1: And I think right now to think that there's any like quarterback controversy or that's too premature right now, right? It doesn't seem like the Saints are anywhere as close to that. But like, if they continue to struggle and things don't look good against the Lions and they lose to the Lions this week, like maybe, maybe there'll be at least some chatter among Saints fans that it's time to look at a Jameis Winston, a Taysom Hill. Like, what, what's the likelihood of that this season, John? You think that Sean Payton could seriously look at making a change?
2: Yeah, I'll be shocked if we ever see Taysom having more than maybe a, a single drive or a possession here and there. Just to mix things up. Uh, you know, barring an injury freeze again, uh, as we saw last year with, when Teddy Bridgewater went in, you're going to see the hot takes and the the live reactions during games, after losses, uh, not just from Saints fans, but you know, guys in my position, j- just as we're venting and, and getting these takes off. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> seriously, you need it. It's cathartic. You got to do it, right?
2: Yeah, it is. It's very cathartic. You know, that, that that's a great way to uh, describe it. I, I would be shocked if the Saints made a change at quarterback here in the next few weeks, or even on a full-time basis at any point this season. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So we just kind of have to wait and see and hope that Breeds and the Saints can turn it around this Sunday.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked too. But I wouldn't be shocked if we see more of Taysom Hill. And uh, But I know Twitter was overreacting to the Taysom Hill fumble, right, saying stuff like, oh, this is what you get for using a gadget quarterback like Hill. You got what you deserve. I know that probably uh, is st- still stuck in your craw probably, John, right? You probably hated all that. And I don't
2: know. Yeah, I don't know what it is with NFL Twitter, but they've been on Taysom Hill's case for years. They've been waiting for this for two years now, for Taysom to make a mistake and make a turnover. So now they can come in and say, oh, you're paying $21 million for this. But, you know, that's just as much of an overreaction as any fans who are saying it's time to bench Drew Brees, you know. So I'm not sure that the Saints are going to decrease Taysom Hill's role in the offense because of that. I do think they're going to re-examine it and maybe take a harder, more critical look at why he was in the game in that situation, what they're asking him to do. It's pretty bad when you're the read option quarterback and you don't read the unblocked defensive end crashing
1: down. <laughs> yeah, from, from, yeah.
2: And yep. so that they, may, they may have to go back to the drawing board for some of these plays that they're coming up with. For. Yeah,
1: it was just a brutal play. Just a brutal play in the game. And it was, you know, the turning point for sure. So th- this is not something we haven't seen with the Saints. You know, early, as John wrote, early season struggles are just par for the course, but, or are they cause for concern? We'll get into that a little bit more here coming up. We'll be right back.
3: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends.
0: Sit up, start up, these
3: are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me
4: if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Benigni with Huddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 4. At quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins faces a Seattle Seahawks defense that has allowed nearly a full game's worth of yardage more than the next closest team. Six passing touchdowns have come against this defense plus two more on the ground, and Fitzpatrick has shown he can still move with his legs. Injuries to two cornerbacks and star safety Jamal Adams has Seattle's defense behind the curve. Devin Singletary should see the majority of carries again this week if Zach Moss isn't capable of playing. No team has given up more PPR points than the Las Vegas Raiders against running backs, fueled by six rushing scores and a receiving touchdown. If John Brown is out of the passing game for Buffalo this week, it's safe to assume we could see more Singletary in the short passing game. Sticking with that same matchup, Hunter Renfro emerged as the top target last week for Derek Carr. It's unclear how much Darren Waller's lack of production was due to the Patriots keying on him, or a combination of that with his knee injury. Las Vegas should be without wide receivers Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards in this contest, and Buffalo is pretty strong against running backs. There should be a lot more passing in this one than John Gruden may want. And finally, Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tonyan against the Atlanta Falcons. He's scored in consecutive games, and Atlanta has allowed the second most receptions, third most yards, and the eighth easiest touchdown scoring efficiency against tight ends so far in 2020. If Devontae Adams doesn't play again, it means Tonyan is likely to see an increase in looks. With Green Bay having a Week five bye, they have no incentive to rush Adams back to the lineup. For more fantasy football tips and advice, go check out thehuddle.com.
2: Hey, Drew, why have you all um, struggled to get the ball down the field? Are defenses just defending you all a certain way and you're taking what what they're giving you, basically? Yeah, you know,
1: we called a couple shot plays today, and unfortunately we just got, again, bad looks. Um, I think I got sacked on one. Um, And then actually, ironically, the second one was the one where I threw it to Alvin Kamara, and he went 52 yards for a touchdown. So um, I don't care how far I have to throw the ball down the field. Um, My job is to make good decisions. I'm not going to force it. If it's not there, check it down, put it in the hands of our playmakers and let them do what they do. There's Drew Brees, John, uh, dousing all the uh, the hot-take artists, right? Uh, you know, Just saying, hey, calm down. Like, we're good. He doesn't seem too concerned. It is a good thing when you have Alvin Kamara because he looks like uh, the best back in football right now. He was unbelievable in the open field, and maybe the one thing the Packers could not do all night was tackle Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, he is uh, an absolute beast, and uh looks like the Saints made a really good investment in that kid. Yeah,
2: and, you know, I, I say this earnestly. You'd love to see it. Alvin Kamara, he, he got the big contract and now he's making the big plays. And it's great to see, and not just after signing that deal, but after the tough year he had in, in 2019 with the injuries and drops in production the drops in efficiency, uh, just to have him bounce back in such a, a big way, just so impressive. And, you know, he's really stepped up as the engine of the offense here during Michael Thomas' absence. I saw a great stat the other day that through NFL history, uh, through however, however long it's been going, however long people have been playing fantasy football, Alvin Kamara, through three weeks, has the second most fantasy points of all kind uh, behind Marshall in MVP winning season. That's crazy. So that just really shows, yeah, it's just, just kind of a testament to how great he's playing right now, and hopefully he can keep it up.
1: Now, a lot of heats on the offense, uh, just because I don't think it's, it just hasn't been a, as efficient as we're used to seeing in the past, besides Alvin Kamara, as we just talked about. But, you know, one thing that we did see in week one was the defense really carry the team to victory, right? They... They kind of dominated the Bucks in that game. And I thought that was a talking point coming in that the Saints defense was going to be one of the top units in the NFL, or at least right up there. And they've kind of come up short the past two weeks, right? Let a not-so-great Raiders team get on them in uh, week two. And, and then this Packers team, they really just had a hard time stopping them without Devontae Adams, which is kind of tough to see. So what's your level of concern with the D right now, John? Just doesn't seem to be playing up to the level that we all expected. And I don't think they're playing up to the level that they expected themselves.
2: You no, know, the defense has been very disappointing the last few weeks. You know, they made Derek Carr look like Aaron Rodgers in week two. And yeah. then Aaron Rodgers did his thing in week three. You know, they're playing undisciplined, not not just with penalties, but with their responsibilities on, on the field. You know, uh, defensive backs are getting caught with their eyes in the backfield rather than staying in coverage with, uh, with the receivers assigned to them. We're not having great, gap responsibilities at times especially on the line plays uh, we we had the aaron jones one yard touchdown run on sunday night there where one of the linebackers uh, filled the wrong gap and jones was able to just uh sneak right in there and get in, put up six points these are issues that the Saints seem to have year after year after year. You touched on it earlier. Another um, article I wrote earlier this week was about how the Saints are historically slow starters under Sean Payton. Right, right. Um, their, their winning percentage in September is, gosh, it's like 20% lower than the October winning percentage. And that's a reflection of them starting slow out of the gate, not really, maybe not doing the best job of self-scouting de- during training camp and really having to work quickly to adjust to – what their strengths and weaknesses really are compared to what they expected. All we heard in training camp this year was how impressive the Saints defense is and how impressive the, the defensive secondary has been, how great of a training camp the defensive backs are turning in and we get into the season and they're getting lit up left and right. They've got to make some adjustments very quickly. And I do think that will come just as we get a larger sample size, as things start to normalize and, as things like the defensive penalties start to recede a bit to the norm.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice to see those penalties at least come back down to like the back instead of like up in the stratosphere. Like you tweeted, I saw that graph you tweeted. That's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. So it's one thing to be ranked 32 out of 32. Seriously. It's bad enough to be ranked 32 and have more more penalty yards than the 31st and 30th teams combined. <laughs> um, that, that's just, it's just inexcusable. It's and unbelievable. It's same issue, yeah, it's the same issue the Saints have had for years now with defensive pass interference. Eli Apple had the same problems that Janoris Jenkins is having right now, which, which is very odd because they're two totally different players from totally different backgrounds with totally different resumes. And so you would expect that for a team that has played as many games together, that is as experienced as this one is, these are not problems they should be having at this stage in their careers. You know, Marshawn Lattimore should not need help staying engaged during a game because he didn't see that the the receiver playing across from him at the Pro Bowl last year. But, I mean, he shouldn't have to step up against household names and turn in a horrible performance against a, a wider receiver three. You know.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I want to get into this matchup on Sunday as well because the Saints, I think they're playing the perfect team. The perfect team where we're going to learn a lot about this squad and where the Saints really are at. It's just a perfect opponent, and I'll say why here coming up. We'll be right back.
0: It's that time again for the line of the week the inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
3: Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slipping Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague, Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on week four's marquee matchup between the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots are plus seven underdogs, Chiefs minus seven home favorites, over under 53 and a half in this game, minus 110 on either side of that. Patriots plus 240 underdogs, money line. Jeff, how are you feeling about this game? Oh, I'm totally on the Patriots plus seven. How often do you get Bill Belichick in a major game getting seven points? That Chiefs rush defense is really weak, so Cam Newton and company is gonna be able to take the air out of the ball, keep Mahomes off the field. Um and Bill Belichick, you know, has extra time to prep. He got short rest for Kansas City. I'm all on the I'm on the Patriots plus seven. Did you watch Monday Night Football? Did you see those Kansas City Chiefs? No, they're out to prove a point. They're still the best team in football. Take them minus seven at home to New England Patriots. I don't care. They're the best team in football. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSylton Podcast. Be sure to rate and review.
1: All right, John, I love this game, Saints going to Detroit, because the Detroit Lions are the Lions, right? I mean, they're 1-2, and but they could easily have two wins. You know, they just beat the Arizona Cardinals, looked pretty good doing it, but they had that horrible collapse in the fourth quarter against the Bears in Week 1. The Lions are just the Lions, and they're a team that I think the Saints should beat and should look pretty good beating, but it's also a team that they have enough to beat the Saints. So for me, it's like, I think we're going to learn a lot about New Orleans and where they are. Like, this is a team that they should handle. And if they're right and they're good, and like we've been talking about, if these early season struggles are just par for the course, I think we'll see it this week against a Lions team that they should handle. But if things aren't right, they could easily lose to this team at the same time. So, what do you think about this matchup?
2: Yeah, I think it is a favorable matchup for the Saints from a play style perspective. The Lions offense is determined to run through Adrian Peterson for some reason. Um, as the whole Saints fans know, Adrian Peterson wasn't good enough to hang with the Saints back in 2017. He's been traded and released uh, several times since
1: then. I think he's played on every so, NFL team at this point.
2: <laughs> just about. Uh, I mean, he, he has to have a pretty full, uh, I want to call it a trophy case. Resonate? All, all of the helmet from his previous team. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, he actually, has, yeah. Helmet case. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so if the Saints run defense can continue to play well, they had a great game for the most part, except in a couple of goal line series uh, against the Packers. The streak is alive, by the way. We're up 46 games in a row now without allowing a 100-yard rusher. Um, if they can limit Adrian Peterson and the other backs on the Lions' roster, think that the secondary could take advantage of a, a relatively thin Lions receiving core. Now, the Lions do have Kenny Galladay back. He's one of the better, younger receivers we'll see around the NFL today. What we're, but what worries me about this is it's kind of a similar situation with the Packers last week when they, they didn't have Devontae Adams and the secondary was still a seat. Now, there's a big difference between Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, but Stafford has had success against the Saints in the past, and he did win their their only meeting at Ford Field back in 2014. This should be a great measuring stick game for the Saints, and I'm really curious to see how they bounce back.
1: Yeah, no, I agree 100%, and they continue to get the respect from the betting public, right? I mean, the Saints at home in that empty stadium against Aaron Rodgers, I was surprised to see that spread at three and a half uh, with them favored at home. I thought that was a a little bit light on Vegas' side, and we saw how that played out. The Saints are favored by four points on the road in Detroit, so that kind of shows that people think that the Saints could bounce back in this ball game. I mean, what do you think about the Saints giving away four points in this one?
2: Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, if the, if the Saints can control the run game from the Lions, if their defensive backs can play up to their talent level against these receivers, yeah, they could totally limit what Matthew Stafford can do when the game is on his shoulders, and things could totally break their way. Looking at the betting line and looking at the odds, the, the spread, all that good stuff. The one thing that interests me is that with the Saints favored by four, the over-under is set at 54.5. That implies a final score somewhere around Saints 29, Lions 25. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew Stafford has scored less than 25 points just one time against the Saints in seven previous games. That was way back in 2011. So I do think this could be a high-scoring game. It's helped by the Lions having a pretty bad defense. This could be a get-right game for the Saints offense, especially if they get Michael Thomas back in the mix.
1: Yeah, Michael Thomas would be huge, and I also think it's kind of a bounce-back game for the defense. I think they're going to come out, and uh, they're going to make a statement in this game. I I hope so, at least. If the defense struggles against Matt Stafford in this, in this outfit, and Adrian Peterson, as you talked about, John, then I'm going to start panicking. I'm going to start worrying of, about this team, but I expect the Saints to come out, play really good defense in this one, do enough on offense, they're going to be fine, and I expect them to cover the spread.
2: Yeah, I think that's a totally realistic expectation. A couple of injury situations to watch for the Saints defense in this game. Yeah. Uh, starting defensive lineman, uh, defensive end Marcus Davenport, defensive tackle David Onyemata. Onyemata missed the uh, Packers game at, at the last minute with a calf issue, and Davenport is expected. We're, we're hopeful is how Sean Payton characterized that on Monday. We're hopeful that Davenport is going to return from an injury here this week. So we could see all four starting defensive linemen for the Saints on the field at the same time for the first time this year, and that could make a huge difference for them.
1: That might make me put an extra unit on the game now, John. I might go two units on this one. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go big. 100%. Uh, yeah, go big or go home, right? I, I like the Saints this week, right. so let's see it. Let's see a bounce back win, and hopefully, you know, this losing streak's over with next week when we're back on here talking, all right, man?
2: Sounds terrific. Thanks, Brian. <laughs>